previously on No Stone Unturned. 121 years ago, a 4,700-pound granite boulder arrived on the Lawrence University campus in Appleton, Wisconsin. From what we knew, the rock had disappeared the fall of 1998 amidst rising tensions between the Phi Delta Theta and Delta Tau Delta fraternities. Phi Delta Theta, my young friend, that is where your answers lie. And if anyone tells you otherwise, they're either misinformed or intentionally misleading you. Veritas as looks. Good luck. To complicate matters even more, the National Phi Delta Theta Organization revoked the Lawrence Phi Delta Charter in 2010. So if Phi Delta did steal the rock in 1998, but lost their charter 12 years later, what did that mean for us? Was our boulder stuck in fraternity limbo? There's definitely a generation of alumni in my era who kind of see the rock as ours. So I think there's a lot of sentiment like, you know, let's bring it back, but have Phi Delts come back with it. From what I know, there's only one Fidelt who moved it last, is what we're told. And part of the reason is because it was moved off campus to his house. They knew it and trusted it, and it wasn't going to go anywhere else. And they moved it again, and that person's no longer around. So he passed. And then the story, from what I understand, is that no one else knows exactly where it is. I don't know if I believe that. From what our anonymous source had told us, Sarah and I had pieced some things together. All it took was an obituary and public access tax records to point us to a local farm. What is that? We found a thing that has Delta Ta Delta painted on it. 95. No way. We've done what we can. If those in charge of The Rock's current fate want to get in contact about returning it to campus, it would definitely be welcomed, no questions asked. But if they'd rather let sleeping rocks lie, we understand. At this point, it's out of our hands. And hey, we found the thing after all. And that's what we set out to do. We're done. The end. I'm John Hanrahan. I'm Sarah Axtell. And this is No Stone Unturned. Hi, Sarah. Hi, John. Welcome back to No Stone Unturned, everybody. Season two, I guess. I don't know. Um, There are four episodes before this episode. If you're new to the show, I'd recommend checking out like at least one of those before listening to today's update. Right. So at the end of episode four, we had found the rock, but we decided to not reveal the name of the family that owned the farm on which the rock currently sits. But... Times have changed. Since we did our last episode of the podcast, occasionally we'll say, I wonder what's going to happen eventually. But today, today kind of shook things up in a way that we were not really expecting things to be shaken up. Um, So today is November 15th, 2017. I got a message from Sophie Pennyman. Friend of the show. She messages us today. And says, so, rock intrigue. And she goes on to tell us that she had talked to Aaron Dix today, the archivist. And Aaron said that there was some stuff happening with the rock, but she couldn't say much. And right away, I get two calls. 
The first is from Lawrence's media relations guy, and he's talking about The Rock and an attorney, and I'm confused. And then the second call is from a reporter from the local newspaper, The Post Crescent. And she's also talking about The Rock and an attorney, and I'm less confused, but still like, what exactly is going on here? So we did what we always do when our reporting leads us to uncharted territory. We messaged our friend and radio guru, Nathan Lawrence. Hello, how are you doing? Hey, Nathan, we're good. How are you? I'm great. So we basically caught you up on everything that had happened. And we were like, okay, so maybe we'll reach out to a couple of people. And then you started doing your own fancy thing. Yeah. So so my first instinct was, uh, that's always sort of the case with this sort of thing, is to immediately go to uh, whatever might be public. You know, the information that has to touch the public's hands at some point. We'd heard that some of this might be in the courts for some reason. So, so initially, when I started searching, I was searching by names, and I kept, I kept coming across old cases, and I kept thinking, oh, this can't possibly be related. What's, what's this thing from 2014? That's got nothing to do with this. Uh, and I mean, it looks like it's a family thing. I don't know why that that would have anything to do with what's going on here. It just looks like it's some, some family thing that got settled a long time ago or something. I'm not going to pay any attention to that. And I'd moved on, and I kept moving on, and I kept moving on. But every time I searched for anyone related to this the same case came up and I kept scrolling past it, assuming it was nothing until I finally just sort of gave up and said, all right, I better look in this thing just so I know the background. And uh, I open it up and I see right at the top the date of the day we're talking. It's right there. This case is ongoing and it, it turns out that this, it seems like this family dispute is a, a key part of uh, the, the story as it's happening now. So you, you send us a link and like we're dopes and we see that and we go, oh, that's the website that you use to creep on your professors and see if they have speeding tickets. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is the same website. It's the circuit court's access. It houses all sorts of things like this. Unfortunately, it's usually a lot more useful than it was in this case because this is a kind of case that they don't generally keep the actual records on downloadable file for. If one of us had been near Kakana which is uh, where this courthouse happens to be, then what we would have done is we would have just walked in the front door of the courthouse and asked to see everything, and they would have had to hand it over pretty much. But um, since we're all far away from this now, um, the, the best we could do is look at this, this schedule and try and reassemble what had happened. Thankfully, you were clever enough to deduce that there was some sort of family legal dispute happening. Yeah. The, the first thing that really stood out to me is looking down the list of parties involved, the people involved in the lawsuit, uh, everyone mentioned has the last name Nickel, Timothy Nickel, Michael Nickel, Donovan Nickel, Benjamin Nickel. And then we have this other defendant called Starwood Acres LLC. And I looked that up and it's owned by the Nichols. So uh, this is clearly something where everybody involved is somehow in the family pretty much. Um, but without those documents themselves, I really can't make any conclusive uh, judgment. We really need to talk to that lawyer. Pronto. After all of this happened today and it kind of, you know, was sitting at the forefront of our brains, I had a class at the UCB Training Center in Midtown Manhattan. When I was leaving, it was dark. Um... And I passed, you know, kind of one of those big planters with like a juniper or something planted in it. I saw something in the planter and I was like, that's funny. And then I walked past and then something in my brain said, turn around and go get that thing. 
So I went back and I went to go get the thing and I'm going to pull it out right now. Um, what are you looking at, John? I am looking at a small stone. It fits perfectly in the palm of Sarah's hand and it's painted like a little strawberry. Do you want to turn it over? Yeah, it's kind of flat. Um, Holy shit! <laughs> okay, um, for context, the Lawrence Rock has carved into it Class of 95, as in 1895. This rock, which is painted like a strawberry and which was found in the middle of midtown Manhattan, says, post to FB, as in Facebook, 1895 rocks. You're a, my chain is being yanked at this very moment. 100% not. So basically, since we did the podcast, there's been this fad going around, mostly amongst like suburban families, kind of, where it's become a fun crafting project to find small rocks and paint them and then tag them with like a Facebook group local to your area or something like that and then hide them for other people to find and document. So that's what this rock is. This is like this sounds like a combination of people who never got over pet rocks after they stopped being cool and people who never got over geocaching after it stopped being cool and like are just still very into those two delightful things. Or maybe people who never got over giant boulders that you paint for fun at your school. Um we haven't actually been able to find the Facebook group 1895 rocks. And we are desperate to find that group. Are you super duper familiar with the world of novelty painted rocks? Let us know. So John. Hey there. I called Kevin Davidson. Attorney in Kakana. He's our guy. Yes. Kevin Davidson is basically a property attorney. He specializes in wills and real estate and all the rest. But basically, in the past month, his world has been rocked. Um, this is, uh, it comes to my attention really in the last minutes before we think we're finalizing a real estate transaction. And the real estate is, is, the subject real estate is to be purchased um, by a family member. Tim Nickel. And the real estate is owned by himself and some brothers as part of a, a company, a, an LLC. It was Starwood gifted. Acres LLC. So this dispute has gone on for some time. And in the past month, Kevin and the Nichols were moving towards something final. They were weeks, maybe days away from a closing date on this real estate deal, and they were ironing out all the last wrinkles. A bunch of small items of, of detail um, came to the surface that needed to be ironed out. Um, one of those was an assertion by one of the members uh, that there was a large rock on the property which belonged to him, and he would need additional time after the closing in order to remove the rock because it was rather large and would require some special equipment. Kevin asks Tim about this rock, and, and Tim tells him... The rock is stolen property, stolen from Lawrence University 20 years ago. Look it up. That's all I got. 
<laughs> and from there, Kevin dove into the rock story. Actually enlisted my daughter's help. She's a student at Lawrence. Listened to the um, podcast, did some reading, some even asked him for some pictures of the rock. And those are the pictures that confirmed that it absolutely was the rock. Um, in fact, confirmed the comments that you had made on your your podcast. Um, it's under some large yellow plastic farm thing. Um, and that was still showing in, in the pictures. So what had started as a rather routine real estate deal became the latest twist and a story over 100 years in the making. I think maybe in the, in the scheme of things, the, the biggest issue that I've come across in this whole representation is the rock. Um, I think I was really overwhelmed when I did the research and saw the story of it. Um, the, the meaning it's had to the university and classes going all the way back to the 1800s. Um, I mean, that, that was just a, a really cool thing. It was a, a matter of continuity. I'm sure there are individuals who had seen that rock as a part of the, you know, the center or symbol of some of the community there through that university. Um, I, I tend to be somewhat, um, sentimental, if you will, um, rather than just cold, hard legal facts. And I think something with that kind of meaning is bigger than the dollars and cents that are spent in a you know, real estate transaction. Um, quite frankly, if I were billing <laughs> for, for the time I put in to just research the rock, um, it would be cost prohibitive to, to proceed. But um, I think there's a deep meaning there. I, it seems that it belongs back there not hidden on a farm somewhere. Of course, I had to ask Kevin about the immediate fate of the rock. So we're not certain exactly what's going to happen next. Um, but um, more recently, law enforcement has also been contacted um, to ensure that they were aware of it. Um, there's been some discourse with Lawrence University representatives. Um, They're interested in retrieving it. And at this time, while I can't confirm it, um, my client is inclined not to bar anyone who would enter the property in order to retrieve the rock. He's prohibited from interfering with Michael if Michael decides he enters the property to remove the rock. But if someone... And Michael is... Michael's his brother. Michael's his brother, the one who claims to own it. Um, but he's not prohibited from barring anyone else or interfering with anyone else either. He simply can't go out there and be involved in moving it. Um, my conversation with representatives of Lawrence University suggested that they would be willing to remove the rock provided my client gives them permission to enter the property to do so. The representatives of, of Lawrence also indicated um, that they were going to attempt um, to reach out to Michael and to determine if he would voluntarily um, relinquish a claim or facilitate or cooperate um, in returning the rock as well. Wow, uh, that that all sounds really good and imminent. Yeah, 
Yeah. But I also asked him about a worst case scenario. He laid out this potential legal route that Michael could take that sounds kind of unlikely, but then he thought of something truly, truly terrifying. I guess a, a second, since my, my wheels are turning now, <laughs> a second p- potential worst case scenario is tonight Mike Nickel um, shows up with a truck and it disappears. Um, because all parties have agreed not to interfere with Mike if he were to try to take it. Wow. Uh, so like any day now, The Rock could be coming home or... Or it could be swept away to another unseen corner of Wisconsin, never to be heard from again. No Stone Unturned was produced by Sarah Axtell and me, John Hanrahan, with help from Nathan Lawrence. Willa Johnson designed our logo. Our original score was by Ridley Tankersley, with additional scoring by John Hanrahan and Noah Gunther. Special thanks to Sophie Penniman and Aaron Dix. 